Hello and welcome to Elgamer the Podcast. As always, I am Abdullah and my guest today is... Introduce yourself, good sir. Hey there, I'm uh, Kevin D. Thelwell. I'm a voice actor. So, first question is the obvious one, but we gotta get it out the way. How did you get started? Ooh, how did I get started in acting? Okay, uh, well, that's an interesting one. I started doing, like, uh, little fun parody videos on YouTube. Had a lot of fun doing goofy voices and that and stuff and uh one day uh, this youtuber that i watched was uh making an animation a little animated series based on a book they wrote and they had a competition in the community it's like hey who wants to voice in this uh we'll hold a little uh, audition for it so i entered the audition they ended up casting like a lot of well-known voice actors in their projects they ended up getting pretty big and I was one of the people who was new to acting my first ever audition, ended up like booking a small part in it. Even though that product never actually saw the light of day, it only had like one or two episodes. But like the fact that my first audition, I ended up putting a contract along like a lot of people who have been doing this for years, really like inspired me to try to pursue it more. So I took uh, acting classes in college, took a lot of coaching and workshops, and worked my butt off to, you know, improve my skills and... I eventually moved to Texas, where I uh, continued and started doing anime. And how was the dubbing process for you? Was it easy or was it difficult? Uh, I mean, it takes a little while to get a hang of, but the general process of dubbing came fairly smoothly for me. I think for I think for people who have like a musical background, who are you no know, used to doing things in certain times, dubbing can be a lot easier for them because they're used to you know, matching somebody else's rhythm. So when I have to match, you know, the Japanese side in terms of their timing on how they speak, it works out pretty well for me. Because when I watch you, it's like, I, I don't notice any, um, like any um, inconsistencies with the mouth flaps. Like you're pretty consistent, which I think is really great. Cause you know, I, I'm, I'm personally someone who whenever I'm watching a dub and like, there's like a one, one, like a, a split second delay it annoys me. Like, uh, come on. <laughs> yeah, we, we try to match up to the, you know, the jaw movements as much as possible. Sometimes it can't be done, but for the most part, we get it. If, like, if the mouth is moving way faster than what we're saying, we'll try to add extra words into the dialogue just to make it look a little bit more natural. And that's what people don't understand when when it comes to localizing is that certain lines have to be changed because they need to mount, to match the lip flaps and sometimes in the japanese it's a lot shorter so you know you know kind of need you know so in english you kind of need that, that um extra 2 or 3 seconds to make it match exactly exactly it's like just the word differences and the languages or just the person who's recording like i have a tendency to kind of speed talk so Sometimes they might give me extra words to help something get, you know, get to time long enough. Or other people might read a little slower or just speak a little slower in general. So they might try to take out words to simplify it to help them, you know, not go too long. And out of all the roles that you've currently done as of recording, which one would you say was the, was the toughest? Ooh, the hardest role to ha that I've done? Hmm. I'd say starting off in terms of the stuff that was like... Uh, well, like, you know, that people know of that I've done recently. Uh, one one of my, you know, most enjoyable roles, but also one of the starting off the hardest one was uh, Tribe 9, uh, Santoro. Uh, he is put really high in my, uh, in my register. So starting off with that one, it was kind of difficult to kind of balance the pitch I was at and also giving him a nice expressive dynamic range. So those characters that really pushed me to my the highs or lows of my range are also, uh, it's a challenge because I got to keep their voice print the same without losing all the acting at the same time. Oh, yeah, because uh, when I, <laughs> like, it's so weird because when I watched um, Tribe 9 and I watched the other stuff you worked on, like Sleepy Princess and um, and Megaloblocks uh, Season 2, I got confused. I'm like, that can't be the same actor, right? Because <laughs> he doesn't sound the same. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of uh, different variations. Like, I usually play, like, like nerdy dudes or, like, high-pitched dudes. I think probably the most uh, far different character I've played so far is, like, uh, is Kida in Haikyuu because he just sits at, like, this kind of almost monotone place, but not quite, that nothing else I've played for really, really had. He's a trophy character that I haven't 
yet had a chance to do that was really fun for that. And which which character would you say was the most fun to play? Ooh, the most fun in general. Ah, da, 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 da. I think off the top of my head, I'd probably say a Poseidon and Sleepy Princess is one of my favorites like to play uh, fun-wise, just because he's like... When, whenever I think of a character that is like my vibes, Poseidon is all of them, and the fact that he gets to be like straight man for a lot of the jokes in Sleepy Princess is just really funny. I get to do a lot of goofy stuff. I think that's what kind of caught me off guard because you know you have Santoro, who is basically the, you know the obnoxious comic relief in Tribe Nine, and then you have Poseidon in Sleepy Princess, who's basically the straight man for a lot of the jokes because all the other bad guys are like over the top and. And goofy, but he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, he's just really chill. I remember auditioning for him. I'm just like, man, I'm not going to book this. I'm just going to, you know, do whatever I can. I would love to book this because, like, Poseidon is all my vibes. Like, whenever I play games or anything like that, I always try to play characters that are, like, uh, hydro-aligned or, or water-aligned characters. And I'm like, Poseidon is right up my alley. He's my favorite color. He's my favorite elemental limeys everything and i booked him i was so happy really psyched for that (laughs) i also find it funny that you played poseidon and zeus in one piece so there you go (laughs) yeah if i could just you know start racking up characters named after gods that'd be pretty funny (laughs) because i when i was looking at your credits i'm like oh yeah i forgot he was zeus in one piece as well so there you go (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that one recently came out. And Zeus is also one who's like in a very interesting place because you know I gotta play him dopey, so he's a different voice type that I haven't got to use yet. So that's really cool too. But I mean, how, that that must have been a very challenging character because you're basically being told, "Hey, you gotta play this talking cloud. Go." <laughs> yeah, I mean that when we were recording for that one, the director's like, "Hey, you know, let's see, are you gonna be uh, Zeus in, in this episode?" And he's just a little talking cloud. And then they just played the J. I had like three seconds to think about it. And I'm like, "Okay, I'm just gonna make a choice." Did it, and the director liked it, and we kept it going. And um, was there ever a moment where, uh, on any of the projects you've worked on, was there ever a moment where you improvised something and you were shocked that they kept it in? Uh, in Santoro and Tribe 9, there's a few moments where we change the script or improvise something. Like, there's a couple moments that, uh, Santoro has during the show where he's just, like, talking with the other characters in the background while some plot things are going on. Like, I think, like, in episode, like, what, three or so of Tribe 9, there's a part where they're all eating. And the director's like, you know, just, you know, make eating noises in the background. And I'm like... Hey, I'm like, can I just put a meme in there? And then the director, Mr. Lynch, she, she's, they're like, uh, sure, do it. So, like, there's a moment in uh, Tribe 9 where you just hear Santro in the background saying, you know, you really, you really uh, saying uh, a shrimp fried this rice in the background? And they kept that in the final product, and it's really funny to me. If you don't know it's there, you'll never hear it. But if you know it's there, it's super clear, and it's really funny. There's also times where I'll just flub the script and accidentally say a wrong word that they'll keep it in there. Another part where Santoro's like just around with the other characters, he said makes a remark to the uh, to the umpires in one of the episodes later on the series. And instead of reading umpires, I my brain messed it up and read umpies. And when Marissa heard that, she uh, they're like, uh, "Oh, you know what? That's on brand for Santoro. In fact, we're gonna write rewrite the script. He's gonna say umpies now instead of umpires." And I'm like, "Cool, <laughs> it works out." And there'll just be other times where Santoro will just be making comments at somebody, and if I see, like, his mouth isn't on the screen, I'll throw in some extra words or whatnot and see if it fits. And they've kept uh, several of the little improv- uh, you know, improvs I've given to Santoro. It's pretty nice. Because I know that when you guys are brought in to do, like, a Walla or whatever, uh, a lot of times you would just, like, throw in, like, random things in there and see, like, if anybody noticed and... And uh, yeah, and and when and and I had heard the the shrimp line, I'm like, was that improvised? That sounds like an improvisation. <laughs> yeah, that was not on the script. <laughs> also, uh, it's weird that you mention um, umpies. Um, I thought that was like what they were called in universe, but apparently not. <laughs> nope, the script said umpires, and I just read that wrong, and we went with it. <laughs> and it um, pretty well. Because I've talked about Tribe Nine, obviously, previously, 
But, you know, your character is basically, you know, the comic, the comic relief character, and there's not much really to discuss with him. But I love the, the type of energy he brings. Like, he's very over-the-top and very, like, very high energy throughout all his appearances. Like, was that difficult, keeping up that energy going for, like, 12 episodes? Uh, no, I wouldn't say it was difficult. Santoro is just... I don't know. He, yeah, he, like you said, he's, he's a goofy character, and that level of energy is just where he's at. And when the show gets more serious, he will dial it back down a bit, especially toward the end of the show. So I think the funny part is just like whenever they're getting to a game, and Sartre's always getting beat up. <laughs> so you gotta keep the energy for that, which is uh, something. <laughs> I mean, you gotta have like one character who jobs out to make to to put over the fact that the bad guys are serious, and that's Santoro. Oh yeah, just like in those last couple episodes where you know I keep saying it, but like the villains, the was it um, Ojiro's team? I called them the Monstars because they look like the Space Jam villains, but baseball versions, and it's just hilarious. And I just love the fact that that it takes them that long to realize, oh, they're robots. <laughs> Now, I, I just I said it in a previous episode, but like I had I went into the series blind, like I had no idea what this was about. I just saw the character designs. I'm like, okay, this looks interesting, and I went into this expecting a sports anime, but then in the end, I got like a shonen anime, and I'm like, okay, you, know, you do you, I guess. Yeah, it's the Bloods and the Crips play baseball to the death. Yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> I mean, it just got really, really weird in the last two episodes, and I'm just like, okay, Japan, I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was hype, though. <laughs> now, it certainly I, was hype. I mean, it's, it, that must have been a lot of fun to record those last two episodes because that, that, that's when um, everything, you know, when shit hit the, hits the fan and everyone comes together in the end, and that, that's, that's the point where it's like, yeah, you know it's it's the make it or break it moment and and honestly like it was kind of sad a little bit to to um to realize oh man this is the last episode and we probably this is going to be the last time we're going to see these characters in in anime form anyway at least until the game comes out exactly fingers crossed that we get to dub the game i would totally love to come back as santoro uh what and what are some of your favorite santoro lines oh man one that Marissa, uh, I think she, I think they wrote it like mid uh, mid session. Was I don't stick it in crazy was absolutely hilarious. I couldn't when I saw that in the script. I had to laugh for a second before I actually said the line and laugh a little bit more after it. <laughs> that was I think that's that's might just be my favorite Santoro line. <laughs> it might just be. <laughs> yeah, because. Because I mentioned it in a previous episode, I'm like that line kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> yes, it did. And it's just like, what? What they say? What? <laughs> I love it so much. Outside of that, like another favorite Santor moment is the uh, the the bath uh, the bath scene or shower scene where uh, uh, Haru walks in on on Saudi, and Santoro comes in with a 4K camera just ready <laughs> to peep. That came out of nowhere, and that was so funny. I, I screenshotted him with the camera, and I just have that as a meme image now forever. <laughs> oh, yeah. I pointed out, you know, when I was watching that, I'm like, they knew. They knew. Yes. <laughs> like, Not in 4K. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful meme. Yes. So those two are probably, like, some of my best, my favorite, favorite Santorum moments, memorable parts. And um, I, does it feel weird, like, listening to yourself in shows, or are you just used to it now? Uh, it's still, like, like I'm, I'm very, like, any actor is, you know, overanalyzes themselves, so when you first hear it, you'll you'll be like, oh, can I hear any specific mouth noise, or oh, can I, did I flub any lines anywhere, blah, 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 but I, I've gotten more used to it as time goes on, especially, you know, if you gotta pull up some visual real stuff or anything like that, you gotta sit there and survive your own acting and if you can stomach your own you know voice then you've made some good progress sounds good to you it sounds good to other people yeah because a lot of people i talk to like very very rarely watch their own stuff because they're like i don't like it's either i don't like listening to myself or 
I just can't get into it because all I hear are the people doing the voices. Like I can't like yeah. separate the person from the from the character, so it just creates this weird um, creates this weird effect of I only see the person talking, not the character, and that I think that's kind of like okay, yeah, that is very understandable because if you hear the same if you work with um all these people and you're used to how they sound and you've talked to them many many times via discord calls or whatever it it kind of feels like yeah i can't separate you from from your character yeah depends on the product for me like i, I tend to like marathon shows a lot with friends and uh, some of my friends just only exclusively watch stuff in dub if they can so if I'm in a show and we want to watch it, then you know I'm just gonna to have to get used to myself, and <laughs> so it's not a huge deal for me. But but I mean, um, it's it's kind of interesting because um, I think maybe I think maybe like maybe out of all the people I've talked to on the show, I think maybe um, I would say fifteen or so voice actors don't mind listening to themselves, while the rest are like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a preference. It's like a hit or misser thing for a lot of people. And um, you mentioned uh, subs or dubs. Uh, what do you personally prefer? Uh, whatever is more readily available, to be completely honest. So if, you know, if everything came out simultaneously at the same time, then I'd definitely be watching dubs always over subs. But sometimes I just really like a show. And I can't wait for the dub to come out, or I can't wait for there to be a dub eventually announced whenever that happens. Sometimes we're waiting like a year before dubs uh, actually get announced. So I'll watch the show because I don't want to wait. So basically it's impatience for the most part. Why I usually like will watch subs, but if the dub is available, I'll always choose the dub over the sub in most cases. And um, was there ever a point where you were working on something and, you know, you listen to the Japanese, you, you watch the episode in Japanese first to, to prepare yourself? Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So for, uh, I actually believe when we started recording Tribe 9, like the day or two, or I think that might have been the day of, but like really close to the time I was supposed to first record uh, Santoro, the first episode in Japan came out. So I scrambled and watched that episode right before going in. So at least had some context on some of the things I would be doing and stuff like that. Um, in high queue for Kita, when I was told that I would be uh, uh, recording for him, I had like a month-ish in advance before my actual recording session. So I just went on YouTube. Didn't have enough time to watch all four seasons of IQ. Still haven't finished them. But uh, I went on YouTube and found some clips of Kita just to see like how he talked and kind of what his deal was. So yeah, definitely tried to research that for the most part. Some characters, though, I didn't have that uh, knowledge. Like Zeus, I had no idea I'd be voicing him before going into that session. Pretty sure it was decided that I'd be voicing him during that session, so had no time to kind of prepare a voice in advance. Oh, man, that was on the spot? Holy oh, crap. Yeah, yeah. The, the Zeus voice was on the spot. The, the director was just like, hmm, I wonder who we're going to have you play today. Oh, look, Zeus is open. Let's throw you on that. And I'm like, okay, how does he sound? Oh, okay, this is new for me. All right, here we go. <laughs> But how do you deal with that? Like, how do you prepare for that, for being, like, put on the spot like that? I, you just got to get your cold reading skills, you know, as sharp as you can. So you need to be able to look at a script, hear the Japanese. You know, you basically get three seconds, and you make a decision on what you want that voice to sound right there on the spot. And if the director likes it, they'll take it. And if not, they'll tell you what they want different. And how do you personally break down a character? I mean, I try to basically understand, like, you know, basic acting stuff, what that character's motivations are, what they want in the scene. But, you know, with anime and dubbing, you sometimes don't really get that context. Thankfully for me, I watch a lot of anime and I watch a lot of shows that we dub. So a lot of the times I'll know the character context before I go into a card that helps. Like in uh, like a realist uh, hero uh, anime, I play a character called a Ginger uh, Kamu. And I watched the show, like, weekly before that, so when that character got introduced in the show, I'm like, well, that's a character in my wheelhouse. I would totally love to play that character. And then, like, a week or two later, I got called in to play that character, and I'm like, yes! Coincidence pays off! So I already knew everything about it, so it worked out. Or, you know, sometimes it's stuff like uh, like Zeus, where I don't know I'm, I'm coming in for it. Or, like, uh, uh, I did a, a, a small character in uh, SSSS, that mouthful, Dinazanon, 
And uh, I had been watching that show, too. So when I get called in for stuff, sometimes they don't tell you what character you're playing. So if I get called in for more than, like, a 15-minute session, I kind of I kind of look through the episode and be like, hmm, who could they be trying to put me on? Is it, like, you know, a bit character where I don't really need to do a lot of research? Or is it going to be, like, an actual character where I need to, you know, factually figure out what they do and really pick out a voice here? And um, if you could voice any existing character from any franchise, who would it be and why? Oh, if I could voice any character from any existing franchise. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's, that's a hard one. So I'm obviously going to choose something that hasn't been dubbed before. So a show that I really like that hasn't been dubbed before. I think uh, Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai is a really good show, and there's a lot of dialogue in that one. I would totally like to voice in that show a character. So, but it's been so long since I heard. I'm not even sure if that character is like the if the dude is in like my wheelhouse in terms of characters. But I really like that show, so I'd love to voice in it. And another one is uh, just Digimon Ghost Game. This is a show that I'm watching currently that I love, love, love to death. I would so love a kill to audition for that one. My favorite character is uh, Jellymon and his part and his uh, her partner. And they're just really, really fun. They're super goofy. And he's got, like, a, a whole little, like, he's really cowardly. But then, like, if he gets too scared, he, like, activates his cool mode where he just starts kicking and, you know, kicking butt and cleaning up shop. And it's really fun. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Digimon because you worked with uh, Lenti and they're a huge Digimon nerd. <laughs> yeah. Me, Lenti... Uh, Daryl, J. Delphin, we're all huge Digimon nerds. Like, Daryl has, I want to say, a clip from the Digimon movie for every occasion. You can just command him to pull one out. He'll just have it on his phone or on his computer at the ready. It's amazing. It's a skill, really. A talent. <laughs> I think my favorite piece of feedback I ever got for doing the podcast was when I had uh, Lenti on back in 2020. And... I'll never forget this comment. It was like the episode was like an hour long and someone was like, huh, an hour long doesn't seem like that the enough to be talking about Digimon. I'm like, yes, sir, you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could go on. I just I love the series to death and all the dubs they have were so amazing, especially like what they did with like a Digimon Data Squad or Savers with like, you know, uh, English version Marcus, so good. And then the scripts they had in seasons one through three with like uh, Tamers and Adventure Road 2, they're just so good. The actors are so great and they had so much fun with it. And you can just tell. Yeah, because a lot of people forget um, just how, yeah, a lot of it was toned down, obviously, but it, it, that was such a great cast. And, um, and, <laughs> and it's kind of funny to. To to realize, like, a lot of the cast in the original series had just started out and they were, like, completely new to to the dubbing process. I remember when I had um, Colleen O'Shaughnessy on back in, like, 2019 and we were talking about Digimon. She was like, it was such a new process for me because I wasn't used to doing, you know, anime because it wasn't, like, readily available as it is now. So it's like, what is this? You know, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And I remember <laughs> poor Laura Jill Miller. Like, she comes in from this, like, live-action background. And this is, like, her first, like, voiceover role. And, like, she had no idea what she was doing. And, like, <laughs> you, you, so, like you walk in there and you're, you know, from, you know, uh, live-action. So you already got, like, a little bit of heat on you, you know, coming in to do voiceover. And you're just like confused and you're like, beeps, what, what are you talking about? And I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot, especially with all the newer people who are uh, getting into ADR, coming fully prepared for that kind of stuff. So <laughs> I salute them for doing such an amazing job with everything on Digimon. Love it to death. But I think uh, Colleen O'Shaughnessy uh, had um, my favorite piece of advice when it comes to acting in um, in anime with dubs, where she was like, "Huh, j just act faster, <laughs> just act Honestly, faster." Yeah, yeah, just 
you uh, you know mimic the the speed that they do, and you just make sure it fits in the flaps. Not good enough. Speed it up. It's too fast. Slow it down. It's just playing. A, it's a rhythm game. It's all it is. It's a rhythm game. <laughs> so, who's your favorite Digimon? Ooh, favorite Digimon. Ah. Uh... I think the Galmon line is probably some of my favorite right now, but the Jellymon line is, ooh, coming real close. Coming close for that neck right now. It's great. i got to see what happens with the rest of the series, but right now Jellymon's one of my favorites. Uh, Puppetmon will always be my favorite because I just love the... (laughs) I just love how there's just an entire episode where he just discovers a gun and he (laughs) just tries to murder a child. Uh, speaking of like crazy ones in uh, in Ghost Game, they have like Sistermon CL in that one, which it's a cool story. How like in uh, the games Digimon Cybersuit, they had like a Sistermon was it Noir and Sistermon Blank uh, Blanc was like nuns who have like weapons. So one has a staff, one has a uh, dual guns. But they're like, hey, in the West in America, we can't really have a nun with guns. So let's recolor her uh, blue instead of black. So she doesn't look like a nun anymore and call her CL. And the design was so good, they decided to turn that into an actual Digimon on its own, Sistermon CL, but instead of a gun like a Noir had, they gave her a katana. So then they brought that new Digimon into Ghost Game and made her like a crazy street racer who wants to kill people while racing. And it's such a good episode. Oh my god. Love it. <laughs> I remember, um, I don't remember the exact characters' names, but there was, like, the spider lady and the mummy guy from, um, yeah, Adventure Yeah, Mummy Mon and Arukeni Mon. Yeah, th- those are, like, oh God, as, like, it makes me just feel nostalgic for being, like, um, for being a kid and, and coming home from school and just watching Digimon. Like, I would always do that, I mean, because I knew, like, Digimon was on during the afternoon and I'd come, I'd come home from school and... I would watch it, and, like, I would just never miss an episode. Because I, I was just... Yeah, I mean, the Pokemon fra- phase uh, phrase uh, came and went, but for me, like, I had more fun watching Digimon because I feel like the characters are much better developed in Digimon than they are in Pokemon. But that's just oh, my definitely. personal opinion. That's yeah. just my personal opinion. Seasons 1 through 5 are, are de facto definitely stronger than anything Pokemon has given. Not that I don't like the Pokemon anime, it's just that... Digimon just had just a more solid showing. They had characters that grew and changed, and, you know, they weren't immortal beings like Ash Ketchum. <laughs> what are you talking about? He's been 10 for, like, 20-plus <laughs> years. <laughs> exactly. He's immortal. He will never age. It's crazy. That just seems weird to me that they're still doing Pokemon. I'm like, really? How many more adaptations do we need of the game? Like, I mean, the games are just new material so they can have the show, which the show's material so they can sell the toys, and the toys keeps things going around. I don't know, man. I'm just I I just feel like uh, I'm just getting old. I don't I don't understand anything anymore. It's like whatever. Still making the Pokémans, okay. Give them props, though. Some of the side animations they do are really good, like Pokemon Origins and Pokemon Evolutions and Twilight Wings, and I think they announced a new one. Those are all really solid. They even had, like, Poketunes for, like, kids that are actually really wholesome stories that just aren't about Ash or about, like, more of the game universes or just, like, unique universes in Pokemon where people just live with Pokemon, and it's so comfy, and they're really good uh, stories. So... Even though the main series Pokemon isn't really all that crapped up to be all the time, they they don't exa- they're not slacking on animation when it comes to the last couple of years. I mean, it's still going. I mean, Netflix picked it up, so there's a market for it. Yep, Pokemon Journeys is the new main series. And I hear they're doing some great things. I'm uh, I feel like a bad fan because I haven't actually been keeping up with the Pokemon anime since like I think I started dropping off in black the black and white era, and I feel like I need to go back and rewatch from there and, and try to catch up before that was, i watched every episode does it feel weird like do, do you ever feel like we are in a we are in a time where there's just too much content like and oh. it's just hard to keep up with all of it definitely there is too much content but also the good thing about that is not all content is made for you so you can always just pick out what works the best for you so even if there's too much there's always something to watch basically 
And just because, you know, uh, there's a lot doesn't mean you have to watch all of it. Yeah, because when I was, you know, doing research for this episode, I looked at all the shows you were on and I looked at 86 and I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. How long is it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 86 was, uh, I actually was watching 86 before I even got cast in that show, coincidentally, because it's just cool. Uh, war mech shows with you know uh, basically harsh themes involved with that, and I got I was playing two characters in that one, Shisei and Kino, and it's just funny because when I got cast as those characters, they were like in separate scenes, but almost every time after that they appear, they always talk right after one another. So then the director's like, uh, mm, just uh, change your voice up a bit, and I'm like, oh geez, I'm not a chame- vocal chameleon, huh? but let's try to make this work, and somehow it worked out. And there's even a scene in season two where there's a, a kind of a hallucination scene where both of my characters have a, like talk directly to to each other, like what, like to each other. And so I have to, for the first time, dub myself talking to myself. And that was really funny. And the lines they said out of context are really crazy, too. <laughs> so it's funny. And was that hard to do or was it easy? Um, it was, I wasn't too hard. I just put my voice in a certain place to where it just wouldn't sound like the same character talking to each other. So like a Chisei would be hard in registry. He's a softer talker. So, you know, he may talk like this and be cool quiet. And then Kino's more boisterous, jokey, perverted character. So I just made him a little louder and put him more into my normal voice. Maybe dropped him ever so slightly, but they're both like young boys. So didn't drop it too low. I'm just wondering, like, was there ever a point where you got, where someone confused confused you for someone else because you sounded so similar? I mean, I've seen, like, people make comments about my voice where, like, oh, you know, uh, on YouTube clips, and like, oh, that dude sounds like, you know, Aaron Dismuke or Yuri Lowenthal or, you know, somebody, some other voice actors. And, I mean, when you have people that sit in the same vocal register as you, People can mistake that pretty easily. But, I mean, do you feel like, you know, being in that vocal range, you're, it limits the type of characters you can play, or do you, does, does it not, does that not, not bother you? Well, for me personally, my voice, yeah, it sits in a higher place, which I feel like is really good for anime, but also anime has that thing where, like, you know, I'm 15, but I look and sound like I'm 30, and it's like, hmm, there's a lot of things with that, and a lot of the other people who, have, who are in my range for anime have been around way longer, have proven themselves time and time and again. So it's kind of like this kind of upwards battle where I'm trying to like have my voice heard when everyone else in this range is well more accomplished. So that's a struggle. I know I've been trying to kind of nab younger characters to try to counteract that. So I'll try to get like the more preteen-ish or smaller characters, which so far has been working. My little uh, goal to myself is, hey... Can I try to book boy characters that were in the Japanese played by girls? And so far, you know, that's been doing well because uh, Santoro is played by a girl in the Japanese. Uh, Ginger in Realist is also played by a girl in the Japanese. So it's something that I, it's a personal goal that is uh, very odd because I don't think there are many other voice uh, uh, actors who identify as, you know, dudes trying to make that their niche. But I want to because it's just something that I think I might be able to have like a nice corn run. But it's my wheelhouse. Yeah, because, you know, you, I think with the problem with a lot of anime, you know, anime in general is that we have this specific idea of what a character sounds like. Like if it's a big, you know, burly dude, you would think, oh, that's a Jason Marnoka type or whatever. And, or if it's like a, a, a teenager, you know, you're, you're alone with all or whatever. But it's it's sometimes it's hard to to like really play around sometimes when it comes to when it comes to like uh, creating a sound that's not only original but also fits the, the type of uh, character people would associate to that character to have. Yeah, it's uh, certainly a challenge trying to get that because yeah, usually if you see like any small boyish kind of character, as long as they're not like you know five or something like that it immediately thinks, oh, well, we're probably going to have a girl do that and, you know, have them use a boy voice, you know, when they use, you know, put some rasp in their voice to make it sound like a boy. And I don't exactly do that, but, you know, my voice is already a boy, and I just try to pitch up my own voice to make it not sound like I'm you know, a squeaker, per se, but just high enough where, like, yeah, that's a small boy without it just, you know, being a girl putting on a, a boy voice, which, you know, 
No flack to the girls who do that because they're all really good and that's a skill. But, you know, I want to share that space with them. So that's why I'm working on that. And how do you avoid vocal fry? Well, it depends on where you're resonating your voice. So for me, the kind of like rasp or little grip to my voice comes when I just fully relax and let it kind of like vibrate in my throat a bit or my chest. So when I'm doing like higher characters, I'll push it uh, to where my voice is vibrating instead of like my throat or my chest. It'll go to like my nose or my head voice. It'll go higher, which helps me stop a lot of the rasp to help it sound younger. Because I, I know like um, a lot of people, you know, coming in to do, dub, you know, dubbing anime for the first time, they're like, man, I had no idea how um, how stressful this is on, on the vocal cords. <coughs> oh, yeah. There are a, a lot of times where you just got to hold a scream cue out for like a solid 10 to 15 seconds. And you're like, whoa, you got to have some chops on it. I know there was like one uh, session I had where we had to do like singing, dancing, uh, mosh pit yetis and, you know, put on monster voices while also like singing. And that was, ooh, that tore my throat up for a while of me basically trying to take it easy to get back to me being comfortable. So after that, I'm like, you know, you've got to be more uh, more cautious about your vocal health and how you're voicing things and placing things to make sure you don't push yourself and ask for breaks when appropriate. And um, how long is the average session for you? Hmm. I say average is probably an hour or two is the average session, but we've had ones go. I think the longest session I've been a part of has been about four hours where the shortest one has been you know scheduled for 15 minutes but we finished in less than that because when i was looking at your imdb like a lot of the credits are just like additional voices additional voices additional voices and i'm just like is this the dude with a thousand additional voices (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah so the reason that being is that you know when the pandemic hit and we all went to remote recording i was actually like during the start of the pandemic i was living with a and I'm living, well, still living, but I'm living in a, I was living in a house full of uh, actors. So we have like, you know, had four actors in the house at that time. And my uh, roommate, Alex Mai, built a, a booth pre-pandemic, just built his own recording booth in his room out of wood. And it was pretty big and spacious because he just wanted a nice recording setup for his auditions and, and his uh, you know, other work. And when the pandemic hit, uh, we in the house decided, hey, why don't we, you know, let the studios, let Funimation know that, if you guys need, you know, remote recording and you don't want to risk people getting COVID, we have four people who live in this house who have a booth that could fit four people who could help you record all of your Walla and, you know, extra stuff for the shows. And we told them about that. They jumped on it and they used us a lot. For a long time, we were basically, if there were ever an extra character, like, you know, background crowd stuff, we were like in every show Funimation was doing for like uh, what a year or two years straight <laughs> almost oh yeah because when i, I remember when i had um uh, morgan lorraine on she said like it was her and two other people they did all the the walla stuff for escape the infinity all of it uh, because like they just didn't have time they're like yeah you know we need this done and you know it's during the height of the pandemic and it's like yeah you know who's available to do it oh you you three Good. You know, do all the wall for all the episodes now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Morgan has has her, they had their, their girl wall house, and we were the boy version of that. We were the boy wall house. So anytime there was boys, including Skate Infinity, we did a lot of wall for Skate Infinity 2 in my house, and just so many other shows like One Piece, all that. We had some long sessions for One Piece, and we just screamed the same chant over and over again. Those were some tiring times, but. Yeah, so that's why you'll see on, like, ANN or whatnot, or you'll see, like, a lot of stuff, because we basically were just in every show for, like, the last two years they have been putting out, just doing wall and bits and everything, because that's what they needed. It was really important to have, and we basically, you know, solved that problem for them, so they capitalized on it. And to this day, they still use this. They've, uh, there's, like, more wall houses now that they're using for recording, but still we're doing something for somebody almost weekly. I mean, if if there's a crowd noise and, you know, they need to, to put in, you know, people there, why not? <laughs> yeah, that's what they have. So as things, uh, you know, with the pandemic uh, start settling down and once 
numbers start packing and we can actually have people who don't know each other record without worrying about getting sick, then that'll probably slow down more. But as of right now, we still do a lot of it because, you know, we're only comfortable recording with our certain four or five-ish people. So we just make that work. And plus, like, at the end of the day, it's just Walla. Like, you know, it doesn't, like, if people aren't going to be like, oh, why are they using the three, <laughs> the only three people for, like, all these background characters? Like, it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's only for a second. No one cares that much. <laughs> for the background stuff, like, usually you can't even hear it, but for, like, bits that are, like, prominent, the, the directors will most of the time be mindful, hey, let's not have the same person voice a million bits in this episode because then we'll be able to tell it unless you know you can change your voice up enough where people can't tell so they will use us a lot but within reason they definitely won't use us to the point where everyone will notice and possibly complain about hearing the same voice in every episode of one series you know they're they're mindful about that uh, it's not like the um <laughs> the early the mid-2000s where it's like hey we need uh, uh people to do the crowd noises hey can you uh steve bloom can you do the can you do the crowd noise okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's definitely a little bit different than that you know they still use this as much as they can but you know they don't go overboard with it because they know they still got to make a nice you know substantial product at the end of the day and how how was the um how was the, the whole experience like recording from home during the pandemic for you? I mean, we're still recording some of our stuff from home right now. We've started going to the studio for Funimation or form well, formerly Funimation now it's Crunchyroll. So we're going to the studio for that. But there's still other studios that record us from home. So stuff. Uh, my characters uh, have lines in eighty six. I'll keep doing them from home for for like Bang Zoom working with sound cadence on a lot of their shows so prince of tennis tribe nine you know did extras and a couple of cuckoos that just came out and that's all still from home so most of our work is still from home it's just the, the first party Crunchyroll stuff is we have to drive to the studio for that now since they've stopped doing remote recording for the most part really not a fan of that decision honestly yeah a lot of people aren't but you know do what we can we Make sure we're trying to be as safe as possible. I grab my N95, you know, wear it. Make sure I don't take it off in front of anybody. Trying to be as safe as possible. Still got to pay the bills, you know? I mean, you have to, especially considering, like, anime doesn't pay that much. <laughs> yep. So we got to rack up those hours. <laughs> you earned those $65 for the entire series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Do what you can. Put bacon on the table you can but have fun doing it too that, that's that's the thing um have you ever done any cons i have not i would totally love to do cons in the future but i just gotta you know see if there is a demand for them if cons reach out to me or people request me at cons then that will be something uh, we have i recently started doing prints on like color world so that's something that i've just now been comfortable starting to do so yeah we'll see how things go Totally love to do cons in the future one day. Love to meet people. Also, um, you mentioned a Prince of Tennis, and um, that was that a, a recent dub, or was that, um, or was it a redub? So the first thing I worked on for Prince of Tennis was an OVA, Hiote uh, versus Rikai Game of Future. That was last year. I think it came out in like June or July or something like that. So that was like a two episode. Each was like 40-minute long episodes, OVAs. And I, I played a Gakuto a Mukahi in that one, who's like a character from the original series, but because the original dub stopped at a certain point, they never got to the point in the story where that character actually gets re revealed and has an English voice. So I was the first person to voice that character ever in the dub after like the 20-some-odd years of Prince of Tennis originally getting dubbed. And then when they started doing the main series, you know, I got to reprise the role as Gokto, so I, we kind of dubbed it backwards. We dubbed the OVA first, and then started doing the main series of Prince of Tennis. So you'll see, like, clips of Gokto in, like, very nice, pristine animation, and then you'll see crusty, you know, standard-definition, old-school TV-looking Gokto as well that just recently came out, like, a few months ago. Yeah, because I was wondering, like, what the deal was with that, because I was looking, you know, because I had someone else booked, and I was looking through their credits, and they 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 play a character on Prince of Tennis, and I'm like, 2003, that can't be right. <laughs> yeah, depending on how the credits do, the series is from like 2003, but 
we didn't start redubbing it until you know it didn't come out this till this year. It's like that can't be right. He'd have to be like around forty or fifty to be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> if he was like around my age when he was doing that, that can't be right. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But um, and out of all the people you've worked with, who would you say was the most fun to to be around? Ooh, out of all the people I've worked with, who's the most fun? That is, huh? That is a good, good question. Honestly, I will say, like, directing-wise, uh, Marissa was super duper fun to work with, just because of how chill the sessions were. The fact that I've been watching the show and they had been too, so we get to talk about some things that recently happened in like the Japanese version while we're recording the English version, just throwing in the jokes. So. I really looked forward to all of my recording sessions with Marissa. That was a good time. Uh, Howard was also somebody who I really enjoyed working with because he was also super passionate about you know Prince of Tennis and his product. So he would tell me, I'm, I'm not a super big Prince of Tennis person, but he would tell me all about Prince of Tennis during our sessions. And that was just really nice to see and feel all the passion he's putting in those characters. And knowing that, hey, you know, if... I'm good enough for this super fan, then other people would be just as fine with it as well, you know, because this is his baby, and I'm just glad that we're making this, you know, right. So, I mean, yeah, there are a lot. I mean, it's not a case of, like, you saying a character's name wrong, and they're like, oh, oh how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope, he'll he'll uh, give his corrections, and if they say something wrong, he'll be like, oh, you know, just so you know the context, you know, this specific move appeared in the series during this time period, and then they redacted it here and this, and he'll, like, know everything. He knows so much about the series, so, you know, you know, if he says it's correct, if he approves of it, you know that everyone else isn't going to refute it as well, because he just cares so much. And, um, what was... <laughs> Do you have any funny, um, recording stories? Hmm. I'm trying to think. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of uh, goofy moments that come up with this guy. I'll just have moments where, like, you know, we're trying to be as professional as you can during recording, but sometimes, you know, your brain turns off and you open your mouth and say something like, "Oh, wait, I didn't mean to say that out loud." <laughs> and then uh, there's sometimes, especially like it's funny, we're you know staying on uh, Prince of Tennis, but. During the Prince of Tennis, we had some of our most fun sessions because there will be times that we'll be recording, especially doing the wall and bits, and we'll be making jokes throughout the wall because, you know, it just helps keep us entertained and just adds extra to the wall. It's, you know, productive, too. And there will be times where like, I'll be uh, watching through the clips as we're going through, and I saw one of the uh, characters on the main cast. I cannot remember what his name is off the top of my head, but he has really big sideburns. And during one of our previews, I just said, oh, man, that guy looks like a whole-ass chimpanzee. And then the director stopped, and the engineer stopped. He said, you said what? And they both started laughing their ass off. And I'm like, oh, shoot. I didn't mean to say that out loud. <laughs> and everybody in the booth was just like, what the heck did you just say? And it was really funny. Like, my stomach was hurting for a while. There, there was also a uh, a moment, also doing wall in of tennis, where uh, I can another character come uh, came on. It's like some teacher character, and it's it's anime, so you know they gotta draw like you know the super seductive, sexy looking character or whatnot. And I'm looking at that, and I'm like, wow, dang! And then the director who's subbing at the time, and he's like, hey that's Howard's wife and I'm like oh that's his wife who okay whatever what about it and the director's like no no that is actually Howard's wife and I'm like what oh you mean that's played by Howard's wife oh shoot and everyone started laughing again because we didn't know what he meant so there are a lot of just really goofy moments we'll have in the booth that just they're really memorable and fun (laughs) (laughs) oh good times yeah Again, because uh, I was um, doing research for Prince of Tennis, and it is, it is complicated. There are oh, musicals. Man. There's a new movie. There's like all these bits of lore, and I'm just like, why? <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so layered. Oh man, 
we did a uh, bit smaller on the movie too, and just hearing like there's time travel in that, we're like, what? In my tennis? What? <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> so it's it's really it's cr- it's a crazy series. Somebody uh, made a Twitter account of like, uh, is it Prince of Tennis or Inazuma Eleven? And they'll say the most crazy things that shouldn't be happening in a sports anime. And you're like, you have to decide what show this is from. And I can't believe it's even in any show, to be honest. But it's just a really hilarious uh, Twitter account. And um, speaking of Twitter, like, how how was, you know, does it feel weird, like, being known as, like, an anime person on Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not really. I just do me on Twitter, really. I'll just gush about games I'm playing or shows I'm watching for the most part. So I don't really do much of that. I've been recently, like, seeing people, like, tag me in clips and stuff on shows. And that's really cool to to see people, like, showcasing the stuff I'm in. And then, like, when I start booking uh, certain characters that, like, have actual fan bases, that started surprising me, like, with Prince of Tennis and Gokto and seeing people actually cosplay a character I voice, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's that's really wild. And stuff like with um, Tribe 9 and seeing, like, little fan arts drawn and people making threads talking about the characters. Or even with, like, uh, Haikyuu, because uh, Kita, people really, really like Kita, which I'm so stoked about that. So Kita has a giant fan base even before I started voicing him. So Kita was kind of pressure for me because I'm like, man... I really hope uh, they like my voice on Kida because he has a massive fan base. And luckily when it came out, I did exactly what they wanted on for Kida's voice. So they were super happy about that. Like, I saw a TikTok of somebody and they're like, I swear to God, if they don't give Kida this very specific kind of voice, I'm going to riot uh, before it came out, and then it actually came out, and they're like, oh, thank God, it did what I wanted. I'm so happy. I'm approved. And I'm like, oh, phew. Sock some bullets there. All right. It made everyone happy. So that's certainly something that I see. People making, like, uh, what's the word? Like, TikTok AMVs or, or wait, there's fan cams for Kida and stuff like that, and all the fan art and clips of him. So it makes me happy just to see everyone be, you know, enjoying my work and happy about it. People complaining about anime on the internet? Absurd. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Perish the thoughts, sir. Yep, and I am fully prepared to, you know, see those complaints my day, but I've really been lucky that I haven't really been seeing those complaints or they've been out of sight, out of mind, because most people are super stoked about the stuff I do, which is... Crazy, because in my mind, dang, I'm I'm not that good, uh, in my opinion. But you know, it, it works out, and I just gotta be better about that. You know, a little more confidence. I mean, I mean, in all honesty, like I I feel like there are some. You know, when I was watching some of the stuff you worked on, I feel like yeah, there were some line deliveries that could have been you know a little bit you know a little bit yeah a little bit uh, better. But it's not. I was never like, oh, this guy sucks. This guy's terrible. Blah blah blah. It's like it's fine. You know, it's. Like that that delivery might not have been perfect, but it's just like you know one one piece of like a larger puzzle, and it doesn't really ruin the experience for me. Yeah, it, it is what it is. As long as it you know fit the flaps, fit the character's intention, you know, should be fine. There's a million different ways you can say one sentence. People gotta understand that. <laughs> How many times? Was there ever a point where um, you had to do multiple takes and you you just got so tired of it? It's like, just pick one. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, there were certainly times where I would flub words and we had to do it so many times uh, just so I can get the words right. I know Santoro definitely has a couple of keys where he just has a paragraph of dialogue and I have to say it in a certain amount of speed or... If I have to say a certain uh, character's names, like in, in Tribe 9, we tap the R's. So, like, instead of saying Haru, we go Haru or, like, you know, uh, Saori or Saori, you know, different names. So there is a line earlier in Tribe 9 where Saori gets kidnapped and I have to say her full name in a full paragraph. And that took me quite a few tries. That was pretty hard, tapping the R, saying her whole name, while also, like, trying to squeeze in all the dialogue to fit the flaps. Those sounds for reading out a letter, 
So it was, it was pretty crazy. That one definitely took. I've definitely had some times where I've had to redo a line quite a few times to make it work. But, you know, it is what it is. Whatever gets the job done. I mean, especially when you're uh, working within a limited time schedule or like, hey, we need this done ASAP because we, we're doing a simul dub and they need, you know, people need the content. <laughs> yep, they need it fast. And a lot of directors are really good about, hey, if something is tripping up an actor, to make it run smoother, we'll alter the script to make it something that rolls off the tongue easier. Well, yeah, so because really um, especially if you're um, casting someone who you're not familiar with or you don't know um or if this like this is like their first ever anime you might want to you know take it a little bit easy on them just saying yeah exactly thanks to uh weird thing to say but thanks to the lockdown of the pandemic i've had the privilege of voicing in like probably over a hundred and something dubs by now so i'm pretty used to most things but it doesn't mean it's always easy I'm just I'm just waiting for the day when um people uh find out it's like, "Huh, you did you did that character, but it doesn't sound like you." <laughs> it's almost like you are a voice actor. <laughs> yeah, I I've had my own friends who've known me for years and heard me for years, like I'll show them a, a thing that I did and they're like, "Wait, that's you? What?" <laughs> so, it works out pretty well. Even like some of my friends who are voice actors, I'll be like, "Hey, you know, Here's this scene of me talking to myself. It's just two different characters. And then you're like, which one is you? And I'm like, both, bro. And they're like, oh, what? Crazy. And I'm like, oh, that feels good. I mean, it means, you know, I, I am somewhat of a voice actor, apparently. As, as, you know, as my brain wants to tell me not, uh, the, the uh, results speak otherwise. I mean, do you ever struggle with imposter syndrome? Oh, definitely, dude. Definitely. I, like looking backwards never thought i would make it this far never thought i'd get to work with all of the amazing people that i have had to work with like if you told kevin five years ago that you know he could walk into the Crunchyroll building and basically you know every director by name and be able to you know say hi and cooch everyone like he's been living there you know blow my mind like even some of the directors there have been like hey you know i just met this actor the other day and you're like wait what do you mean you haven't met them before they're here all the time and and then they realize oh right you guys have been really getting your start in the last couple years so you do so much work it feels like you're a vet and you've been here always but no you're really newer that's the crazy part yeah because it it feels weird to me like watching a lot of these new shows and be, seeing people i'm on un, i'm unfamiliar with but i look at their credits and i'm like huh it feels like they've been around a while, but they really haven't, and it just it feels weird to me. It feels, but but I mean that, that's that's the beauty of it. That's I think the reason dubs um, are more interesting to watch now is because you're starting to see a, a whole influx of new talent, and you're not starting to hear the same two or three voices everywhere. And and I think it's great, honestly. Yeah, they're they're really adding a lot of diversity with the cast, like this season alone, like. Crunchyroll, I can't even count right now, but there's a lot of shows right now that have leads that have just never done leads before, and that's really cool to see. Makes me real happy to see that stuff happen. And, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I think it's about, it's about time we wrap this up, because <laughs> I gotta get going. But, yeah. uh, it can't, before we, before we uh, go, um, can you give us an update on what you're currently working on, and uh, where can people find you online? Uh, sure, you can find me. Uh, Twitter is what I mostly use, so it's at Kevin D. Thelwell. I am Instagram is the same. If you want to catch me on there, occasionally we'll post pictures on there. I am currently uh, a character Ishikawa in uh, Ahadan-san is Indecipherable on Crunchyroll, so that's airing right now. My roommate Ben Balmaceda is the lead, along with Danny Chambers, so they're two really awesome, cool actors, and I really love that show, so definitely check us out in that. Uh, let's see here. I'm also playing uh, Raymond in uh, Trapped in an Otome game there. So that's another show that's really cool and coming out. And uh, I play a small character Nakano in uh, Awashi, the soccer anime. And new episode just came out today in dub for that. So, yeah, check out all these shows. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I know Ben. <laughs> I had him on the show a year ago. <laughs> But I don't, hey. I don't know him by that name. I only know him as Bronx the dog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. 
Oh, he's great. Not nice to see he's still mm-hmm. working. <laughs> oh yeah, he's busy, busy, busy. Anyway, thanks so much for taking the time off to do this. This has been an absolute pleasure. And if you ever want to come back, you know where to find me. Sure, sure. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. Bye bye. You too. Take care. <laughs>